Amen. Thank you for singing. I appear to be on a short leash here. Shortly before a friend of mine left China, he was meeting with uh, a friend of his in uh, was the, you know, the last night they were all together, and, and he said, um, he said, David, l- let me take your Bible for the night, and I will meet you at the train tomorrow before you leave. And they'd done some work together for the previous seven or eight years or whatever it had been that, that David had been in, in China, and, and, um, and he and this, this young man had, had become quite close, and um, this young man had not known the Lord when David had met him, and he had been one that, that had come to know the Lord and that David had discipled over the previous a uh, few years, and so the next morning, David met his friend, and and on the inside of the Bible, he'd he'd written um, something to the effect of of um, even if it were just the two of us, no matter no matter the distance, no matter the time, even if it were just the two of us, let us both always know and remember that it would be enough. And uh, and it's always just kind of struck me that you know he's like probably, probably not going to see one another again, but like we know that. That it's enough, and that and that this time together has has been good, and it's been for the glory of the Lord. And so, as I look out, and I know that sometimes it's easy to go, "Oh, you know, the roads were were bummer, and there was some empty seats and whatever else." But I just I just want y'all to know that, man, this is this is good. It's a pleasure to be here. I don't like when uh, you know a couple weeks ago when we had to cancel. That's kind of a bummer for me, and and I I miss you all when we're not here. So it's fun to be with you all, and and that we're all gathered together. Um, and so we'll continue to pray for those who weren't able to make it in this morning. And, and so I thank you for uh, for making the effort to get here. I know it's not always a, an easy thing. So um, my name is Mike Gary. I'm the pastor here at Communitas Church. And Communitas is a church that exists to love God, to love people, to build disciples who walk in grace, who grow in faith, who gather together explore their gifts and generously use those gifts to serve in and around the Brandy Lakes area to make more disciples who love God, love people, who walk in grace, who grow in their faith. We do this by gathering in groups, exploring our gifts, and then generously using those gifts to serve in and around the Brandy Lakes area to make more disciples who love God and love people and who gather together. And so we've expressed our worship to the Lord in a number of different ways this morning by, by gathering by saying, yeah, we'll, we'll drive slow, we'll get here, we'll figure it out, it'll be all right. We've also worshipped through singing. Kelly, I would not have known that you were sick, uh, so well done. Um, singing songs about who God is and what he's done. We've given tithes and offerings, you know, showing, showing our stewardship and our trust. And Lord, in a little while, we're gonna we're gonna listen to Mr. Scott Keel bring the message to us in worship through listening to the proclamation of God's word. But before we do that, we're going to enter into a time of communion. And this is a time when, this is sacred time. And, uh, and, and we do this weekly. And, and we do this, and, and when we do, we, we gather with the church throughout Brainerd, throughout Minnesota, throughout the world, as, as that friend of mine had experienced, through, with our brothers and sisters who we, we may not know, have never met, might not ever meet, but who live in, in the far corners of the world places that we maybe have never heard about, but the Lord is there. And so are our brothers and sisters. And so we join in them with this communion. And we do this as, as a way to remember who God is and what he's done. 
the first time that this was celebrated. Jesus is with his friends, and they're celebrating this meal that had been celebrated for thousands and thousands of years to commemorate the time that, that the Lord had brought the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And so we share it now, those of us who are believers, to remind ourselves that we've been brought from the slavery of sin. And he's bringing us into new life, into the promised land, into the goodness of being in covenant with him. And so as, as we do this, we, we, uh, we celebrate what's called open communion, which means that you don't need to be a member of Communitas Church. We would just ask that you would be a repentant follower of Jesus. And so if that is you, we pray that you would come to the table. And we're going to take a few moments in silence before we do so. And, and as we do that, we're going to ask that the Lord would, would speak to us. Not just individually, but speak to us as a group. And so we're going to take some time to listen. And, and I know people go, man, like, we've been eating lots of sugar cookies. I'm kind of, kind of wiggly, you know. Kids like, I haven't been to school in a little while, so I'm just, you know, surviving off of gingerbread and milk. And, uh, but man, kids, you always do such a good job, and I appreciate that you, you take the time to listen with us. And so we're going to, we're going to ask a few questions. Who is God the Father and, and what has he done? And who is God the Son and how did he live his life? And who is God the Holy Spirit and, and what is the Holy Spirit doing in and through me? And we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit would convict us of our sin, that he'd confirm in us the things that we're doing that are good, that we would continue those things. And that in that time he might bring names and faces, times and places where, where we can serve him better that we'd further convey this message of truth to the world around us. So I'm going to pray, and, uh, and we'll take some time in silence. And then as you're ready, come on forward, grab the elements from the left or to the right, bring them back to your seat. I'll read some words from Scripture, and then we'll all partake of the meal together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day to praise you. We see the way that you work in your creation, confusing as the weather is, we know that you hold it in your hand. And Jesus, we thank you for the way that you lived your life, that you died, that you rose, and that as a result, we're able to, to share in this communion, this covenant with you. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would continue to work in and through us. Lord, we know that if, if we're here, if, if we're listening, if you can hear my voice, we know that, that you are working. That you're working in us. So pray that you continue to convict us of our sins. Confirm in us what we're doing, which is good that we would continue it. Lord, bring, bring specific instances, names and faces, times and places where we can better convey your message of hope to the world around us, knowing that his, his body would break and that all of his friends would abandon him and leave him to die. As he was eating with those friends, he took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them saying, take and eat, this is my body, knowing that his blood would pour out. He took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. 
for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for this forgiveness and for this covenant that you extend so graciously to us. We pray that it would inform the way that we live and how we love and how we serve sacrificially, putting others first, not seeking the abundance of our own life, but the abundance of your kingdom. Amen. Okay. At this time, George is going to make his... Or, uh, there's some blue buckets that are going to make their way around. Uh, feel free to take your cups and pitch them in there. We will dispose of them for you. And at this time, George is going to read our scripture passage from uh, for today, which is going to be Matthew will be in chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. And so Matthew is a, uh, a New Testament book. It's about two-thirds of the way through. If you start seeing things like Mark and Luke, flip a little back to your left. If you see a lot of names that you can't really pronounce and sound a little bit weird, keep going a little bit more to your right. And Matthew will be there and will be, again, in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. If you don't have a paper Bible with you and you want to take your mobile device out, feel free to tap, swipe, uh, or do whatever it else is you need to do to find Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16 there. And if none of those options are preferable to you, the words will be displayed on the screen behind us. For Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Thank you, George, and thank you, Lord, for your scriptures and the way that they've been preserved and that we're able to gather and read them. Lord, we thank you that you are the light. You set that light within all your your sons and your daughters, and you've called us to bear witness to that light. So thank you also for Scott as he prepares to bring this message, that he too would bear witness to the light. Pray that you'd give us the ears to hear your message, and give us hearts that stir and yearn for you. Amen. So kids, at this time, if you want to head out toward this way, we've... Uh, Got some folks that are excited to be with you, so we pray especially for Sarah and Sadie and Rachel and Des and Pam, Leanne and Scott and myself who will be back there. And Lord, we thank you for these kids that we're able to gather with them. And Lord, we pray that we would continue to, to grow in holiness and demonstrate what it is to be followers of you in a church that is for your kingdom. Amen. Good morning. As we, as we hear in our reading from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, you, we, are the light of the world, and we are reflecting the light of Jesus Christ within us. Amen? Amen. So today I will be speaking quite a bit about uh, light and speaking about reflection. And we'll also visit several different books of the Bible this morning and read some prophecy and testimony regarding the light of the world um, before we wrap up. So reflection, reflection. I love reflecting, especially at the end of the year 
Um, and just before a new one starts, as Kelly said, it's a clean slate for life, for business, for relationships, for faith, where we've been, where we are, where we're going. Looking forward, uh, looking backward. So where are you reflecting this morning? And to the point of our verse this morning, where are you reflecting God's light? For the next few minutes, I'd like to invite you to reflect on your life. And a gentleman named Reggie Campbell, who has a ministry called Radical Mentoring out of uh, the Carolinas, his, his ministry is nationally deals with mentoring men, but this applies to women too today. Um, he wrote a great blog post on reflecting, and I'd like to share a bit of it. It's a nice how-to on reflection and introspection. So Reggie writes, At the end of the year, as the end of the year approaches and Christmas softens my heart, I find myself thinking about the year I just lived. And here are a few questions I ask myself. What am I grateful for? What did I learn this year? Where did I go? What did I experience? Who do I know better today than I did one year ago? Am I closer to God today than I was at this time last year? What's my vision for next year? Am I open to God's will for my life, even if he takes me in a radically different direction? Even if he takes me out of my comfort zone? And then here's a few things that Reggie says he does. He says, I'll check my gratitude list and refresh it. I'll turn back through my journal looking for entries where something significant registered from God's word or a sermon I heard or a book I read. I'll go back through my calendar. I'll dwell on the significant people in my life one by one how they've affected my life this year, and maybe how I've affected theirs. I'll think back on events I participated in with my family, my friends, my grandkids. I'll ask God to help me press meaning into these things. What did you teach me, Lord? He asks. What do I still need to learn? And I'll ask him to give me a vision for next year, right now, while this year is fresh and still front and center and really hasn't even started yet. Everything else I'll reflect on comes through that lens of gratitude, of knowing that God loved me so much that he pursued me. He pursued me. He made it clear that he was real by answering prayers showing up in amazing ways, both big and small. He spoke to me as I began to read his Bible, and he let me know he loved me through people who came alongside me, mentored me, and helped me grow. I've been blessed with peace in this life like no one outside the faith can even understand. And I've been given confidence that there is a life after this one, and that I'm going to spend it with him when my time comes. And he closes, take the time to reflect 
this special season. You'll be glad you did. So reflection. So anyone, does anyone in here journal? Anyone journal? Just raise your hand if you journal. Or, yeah, this is, I'm kind of a this kind of journal too. But um, this is my favorite journal. My daughter made this for me. It's a stained glass window is what it is. And it's, it's painted with not any sort of just regular paint. It's painted with the paint you might expect from a 19-year-old daughter. It's painted with nail polish. And there's just such an amazing light stained glass quality to this journal. I just love it. And uh, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to me. So to me, this journal, that simulated stained glass for me, it's, it's a meaningful metaphor where light and reflection meet. Stained glass journal where light and reflection come together. Jesus would go away and he'd retreat away from the crowds to rest and pray to be with his Father. Now this is the Son of God and the Son of Man who would do this. He would retreat away. He's modeling rest and reflection for us. So how much time do you spend in retreat or reflection, prayerful introspection with the Lord so you can be purposeful and effective and energized when you go out to shine his light. How much time do you spend? I'm going to take some time over the new year to just be in quiet prayerful reflection. I love to do that. I love to find just a day or two where I can just be alone and journal and just look back and, and uh, review things I've written down, things I don't remember that I wrote. And uh, this year I'll have two questions that I focused in on that I want to journal around as I look back on my past year and I want to share these with you. The first one is, what's God done through me? What's God done through me? In other words, how have I helped transform someone's life? The second question is similar but different. What's God done in me? What have I seen God do in me? In other words, how has God transformed my life in the last year? And it's my journals that will remind me of this because like the Israelites did, I forget as soon as I write it down. And I'll be asking my wife for her thoughts on this because she has a great front row seat to my life and always has a great perspective. So how about you? What is God calling you to do? Who is he calling you to be? What is his still, small voice saying to you lately? This quarter, or this day, or this week, or this year? What was he saying? And for how long are we able to stop and listen? Okay, so we're going to go to the Lord and his word this morning a bit. We're going to read a few different verses. And um, this is good food. This is different than all the empty calories I've been eating the last few weeks. So um, we're going to read and reflect on what God has promised and done across millennia regarding the coming of the light of the world. We're going to visit several verses that point back to our text today. 
So you can feel free to just listen if you want. Um, if you don't want to you know, page through and find these verses, that's fine. And if you're pretty fast at finding verses, you can, you can follow along. So we're, we're going to start in Isaiah. In Isaiah 42, 6, chapter 42, verse 6, he foretells Israel will be given a light as a covenant for the people. And Scripture says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. A light for the nations. And then later in Isaiah, chapter 49, verse 6, Isaiah 49, 6, he foretells the nation of Israel becoming as a light, as a light, that God's salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Scripture says, he says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Now to Galatians. In Galatians chapter 3, 7 through 9, Paul shows us the fulfillment of the promise that in Abraham and his seed, how all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Scripture says, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Okay, John, John 1, John 1 through 13. And I think we may have read some of this over Christmas. John the Baptist comes to bear witness about the light that is Jesus Christ. Scripture says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay, so later in John 9, 9, 1 through 7, John 9, 1 through 7, Jesus declares, now he says this, that he is the light of the world. 
And then he puts an exclamation mark on this by driving out the darkness from a blind man. He's modeling good works. Okay? As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing So the disciples have heard Jesus declare, I am the light of the world. They've heard him say that. But in Matthew 5.14, Jesus shifts the pronoun, telling his disciples, you are the light of the world. We learn at the Sermon on the Mount, this is a disciple's reason for being. Because of their illuminated calling, they cannot remain obscure. They can't be put under a basket. The character of the disciples will cause others to glorify God because of their witness. 2,000 years later, as Jesus' disciples, as Christians, we are called to reflect his light through our witness, through our works. Jesus tells us light is meant to be seen. Our good deeds are meant to be seen. But more than that, our good deeds are not to draw attention to ourselves, but to God. As Christians, we're not to be thinking about what we've done, but what God has enabled us to do. We aren't to draw the eyes of people to ourselves, but always to God. Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount. He gives his disciples more insight to reflect on what good works look like. He tells us how to give in secret, he tells us how to fast in secret, he tells us how to ask for things, expecting to receive, he tells us how to treat others as we would want to be treated. He even tells us how to pray. Not long-winded, wordy prayers that are showboating, right? He, he teaches them the, the Lord's Prayer on that mountainside. He teaches us how to not pray. He teaches us how to not judge. He teaches us how to not be anxious. Look at the lilies, look at the birds. You know, not hard instructions, these lessons. So, again, that's the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. If you're curious or you're looking for a refresher or simply just some good passages for introspection and reflection, 
Or you can envision yourself on a mountainside just listening to Jesus. When writing to the church in Ephesus, Paul reminds us that light can be a warning light too. So you think about this morning just seeing hazards. and that's, Hazards aren't on so people can see you, right? Hazards are on so you can see people. They're to help, lights to help you be seen. So in Ephesians 5, 8 through 17, Paul reminds us to walk wisely and make the best use of our time. So this is like New Year's resolution talk, right? For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and look to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Did you, did you know that journaling can help you reflect on Christ's light, on what the will of the Lord is? Have you ever thought of it that way? Um, I look back at, uh, about a year and a half ago, I looked back at a bunch of journals that I'd kept over the last 10 years, and this, this one verse kept coming up, and I didn't remember writing it ever. And I saw it in that journal, and I saw it in that journal, and I saw it scribbled here, and I saw it written here. I even saw it typeset in the margin of one of the commercial journals that I bought. It was pre-printed in there. And finally, God got through to me. The verse was, A generous man will prosper. One who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And in my relationships and work, I finally realized that uh, the good works that God's prepared in advance for me to do involve refreshing people, encouraging people. And in Ephesians 2.10, Paul reminds us that we are his masterpiece made for those specific good works. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What is the Lord wanting you to know about him? Is there an inkling on the good works that he's prepared in advance for you? Is there a still small voice around that? It's a new year. Christ walked this earth only about 30 years. His ministry with his disciples was a short three years. Remember three years ago? It's right there, right? That was Jesus' time with his disciples. How will we make the best use of the time with and for him to bring light to the world? How will we reflect Christ's light in 2020?
Eugene Peterson's message uh, says our, our scripture that we read this morning this way, Matthew 5, 14 through 16, the message. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to keep you hidden under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. This is Communitas Church. This is Communitas Church ministering to the world. And, and Jesus did not say, you are the light of the church. He said, you are the light of the world. So this is why we're in small groups, and this is why we're out in the community, to reflect Christ's light to one another as believers and to the world, to do good works, to glorify him, not us. And in Philippians 2, 14 through 16, Philippians 2, 14 through 16, Paul gives us an example of how to do our good works in a way that shows us different than the world. Scripture says, do all things, ready, without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. The poet Marianne Williamson crafted a poem that I think mirrors well our text this morning, and it's entitled, Our Deepest Fear. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant? Gorgeous, talented, fabulous. Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So in closing, and as um, Kelly comes back up, we remember, we remind, we rejoice. We remember Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We remind that his light is meant to be seen. 
And we rejoice also that we are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do we light our lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, we let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 2,000 years ago, the light of the world switched the pronoun on his disciples and said, you are the light of the world. Where does the world need your light today? Go in peace.